We're, we're joined in the studio now by the leader of AIM2, Padder Tobin. Good afternoon and welcome to the programme. Thank you very much. What should happen to the remaining board members who were in place when Toy Show the Musical was conceived, was allowed to go ahead without adequate scrutiny by the RTE board or by the Audit and Risk Committee? Well, I would say, imagine an Ireland where there is accountability. Imagine if there was a cost for uh, senior public servants, senior civil servants and governments uh, for not doing their job. In a country such as that, you would have a, a completely different attitude towards the delivery of services to the public. You know, this idea that you would have creative accounting on one side of having, you know, significant budgets uh, being you know, executed without actually having sign off and where you have boards not doing their job, that wouldn't happen. And one of the biggest problems that we have currently throughout the public service, uh, throughout uh, senior civil service and the government is a lack of the accountability. If there's no cost for people not doing their job, unfortunately, in human nature, there will be people who simply won't do their job. And that has a significant impact on society. So what should happen then to those five board members? I believe that the, the threshold uh, that's necessary in terms of those people being uh, let go has already been breached. So, you know, the, the problem here for RTE is RTE is bleeding significantly funds on, 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 a, on a daily basis at the moment. And one of the reasons is because these reports are continuously coming up over and over and over again. And if we want to set a new future for RT, we need to draw a line under what happened. And that needs that means there needs to be accountability and we need to have new people in charge of running RT. And if those people were, were asked by the minister to step down from the board, then you're not going to um, have them in front of an Oireachtas committee to be able to ask them questions. Well, I would say, like, you know, how many times have these people been in front of Oireachtas committee asking questions at this stage? I think what we need to do is have these internal investigations within to RTE to get to the to what actually happened. The reports need to be carried out uh, inside uh, RTE to get to the truth. The idea that we just, we're literally going to have non-stop uh, uh, discussions in committees over and over and over again it's both damaging to RTE and it's damaging to public confidence in how, RTE. How do you think RTE should be funded in the future? Well, I have no doubt that it should be funded through taxation. And I think that the reason why the government won't make a decision over this is because they know that it, there, there is simply no future in the licence fee. They also know that it's impossible to bring about a charge such as a water charge. There is not the public appetite for it. And this dithering by the government over and over again in relation to this, again, is another threat to public service broadcasting in this state. We need to work out what RTE is for. We need to make sure that we broaden what is public service broadcasting because there are many other broadcasters who are doing a good job in terms of public service broadcasting. And then we need to get a viable fund that actually uh, uh, funds that uh, into the future. And that can be done on, on a multi-annual basis so that, you know, this idea that governments have a particular influence on a RTE or the media because of, 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 of the funds that they, they provide, that can solve that particular problem. And anyways, the actual fact that the government have control over the licence fee and the government are directly funding at the moment has negated that issue uh, as a real issue. Okay, I want to ask you about uh, what you heard from the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, earlier in the programme and her plans to expand the list of safe countries in relation to the processing of asylum applicants. Do you welcome that? I welcome that the government has actually finally started to pay attention to this particular issue. And I think it's it's uh, shocking that they have been paying attention to this issue for the last number of years. We in AIM2 have said that there needs to be compassion, but we also said that there needs to be common sense. And the government have not been implementing common sense in relation to our migration policies uh, over the last uh, three or four years. All right. You know, 
I, I, sorry, I just want to pick, pick up on one point. It's in your own party's immigration policy and it, it states that people who, who destroy their travel documents, you say that they should be sent home. Now, if you had a situation where a woman and her children fleeing Afghanistan, for example, fleeing the Taliban, uh, travelled to Ireland, um, perhaps on false documents, uh, and those documents are then destroyed or withheld by a trafficker, would you send that person home? Well, what we, what we have stated uh, is that there should be a penalty for a person who uh, decides to destroy their travel documents. Uh, mm. If they do that for the purpose of confusing um, the whole investigation system that we have to determine whether or not uh, they need help. But imagine a situation where you have a woman and a child frightened arriving in this country, having uh, fled the Taliban in Afghanistan. How would you treat that person? Would you would you penalise them? Would you send them home? So what we have now, Justin, is a case where over 5,000 people are coming to this state uh, with no travel documents. 3,500 of those are coming through Dublin Airport. Mm. Now, to get onto a flight from any other European country, you have to have have a travel document. And we need a situation where we can assess those who, who do need help and offer them help and also differentiate between those who But how who do you deal with the hard help. cases? Well, I, I have no doubt in, in, a, in a case where a person is a genuine um, refugee and asylum seeker from Afghanistan fleeing war and violence, I would say that we need to take that into account. But you don't and say that in your policy. But, but we have said it. Uh, we have said it before, both on radio I, and television. I and read your policy yesterday. It's not there. You don't say there should be exceptions. Well, what I'm saying to you that we believe that there should be a penalty for destroying your documents. But if a person is a an individual fleeing war and violence, we do need to be able to provide support to them. That is the basis of our policy. So it's humanitarian and it's common sense as well. You also say in your in your policy that communities must be consulted before accepting uh, people seeking asylum into their communities and consultation must include some level of consent. So do you want to allow communities to have a veto over who comes to live with them? Well, first of all, I would ask the government to, to listen to the people because that is one of the big problems that exists in the country in terms of this particular crisis. I, I just want to ask you about your policy, though. Yeah. If, if a community is consulted and they don't consent to allowing international protection applicants to living among them. Um, where should those people go? Well, first of all, we believe uh, in the planning process in this country. So the planning process is a template that the government could use in terms of these situations. So the planning process doesn't give a person a veto over who moves into their particular area or what development happens in their particular area, but it does give communities an influence to make sure that development is consistent with planning law. And the government have, in this case, deleted planning law when it pertains to, to migration. But, you know, the government, the Taoiseach himself has actually uh, opposed significant development in his own constituency. We're not talking about housing here, though. No, We're talking about uh, whether uh, you, you, you say that communities should be, should be consulted and have uh, some level of consent over whether uh, mi migrants, whether people seeking asylum come to live among them. We, we do believe that communities should have a say over what happens in their communities. We actually believe that communities are more likely and to... And if they say no, if they uh, say no, where, where, does, where do those people go? Well, well, first of all, what I would say is the government's policy at the moment is so negative in terms of listening to people that it's having the effect of actually creating a significant level of opposition in many parts of the country. And we believe the solution to that is to actually listen to the concerns okay. of people. And, and Helen McEntee mentioned that the government has spent 50 million in terms of community dividend. They haven't. Only 2.5 or 2.9 million of that package that was announced in 2022 has actually right. been spent in terms of a community dividends towards people. All right, Pater Tobin, leader of Aintu, thank you very much for coming to talk to us today. We're back with more after this break. 